Can't believe we made it to another podcast here on the Thrillcast. And, uh, you know, we got to thank our sponsors, uh, Wolf Project, which is, uh, you know, men's skincare products, a phenomenal product. Uh, look into them. There'll be a link. And then also Snow Teeth Whitening. And uh, obviously all of the codes, again, are the Thrill. And you get discounts for, for both of them. So take advantage of those. And, you know, I'm really excited today about this guest. And uh, his name's Busy Amore. He's a, a black man, a proud black man from Queens, New York. He's a content creator. He's a um, filmmaker and music producer and musician, singer. And uh, the things that you're going to talk about today are very powerful. And he's going to make you really dig deep into your mind and... Uh, just research your heart too. What do you think? I think that that's very accurate. Yes, he does a lot of content creation. He has a, has a big background in music and production and photography. And I think activist would be another title that he might identify with. He's going to be on to share his perspective and his experience. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from him. All right, let's get to it. I started from nothing, never knew where my next meal was coming, but I transformed my life, I stay one step ahead, mindset of disruption, I own the edge, this is a drill cast, where I bring the wisdom you need, everyone is selling knowledge, I get mine away for free, I'm as real as it gets, you either love or hate me, best believe I'm major league, Bill Hines, that's me, this is the thrill cast, this is, this is, this is the thrill cast, Nah, not enough. You know, to me, I say you need no introduction, but we wanted you to introduce yourself and uh, uh, just tell the world who you are, you know? Well, I think because of the times, it's, I think it's it's dope if I start with, you know, I'm a black man, you know, and I think that's just highly appropriate, uh, appropriate, highly appropriate for just the times that we're in currently. Um, but even before that, I'm a human being and um, I'm somebody who aspires to really want to be themselves for a living. I want to be able to express myself through the, the the mediums that I'm blessed to be a part of currently. So, uh, you know, my life started through uh, audio engineering and that blossomed into photography, which um, took those two things and led into the uh, to the film space. And then I've been able also to um, add a lot into a lot of other brands. So when I initially met Bill, I was working with a, a mutual friend of ours, Damien Escobar, who's an amazing musician, producer, and entrepreneur into himself. And, um, you know, Bill has a beautiful studio, and we were blessed to be there for a moment. And um, and that's, that's you know, that's how we came across each other. Yeah, Damien, what a brilliant talent that is like, you know, as far as, uh, you know, a black man, but an American, the talent he has is... Uh, is beyond. You know, that that's one of America's treasures. That is like... Absolutely. Man. So I, I can't. I gotta get him on one day. But anyway, you know, I like how you started out though. How you said, first off, I'm a black man, and That's you powerful. know, it is powerful because you know, I I have a lot of black friends that wouldn't start with that statement, and not that they're ashamed of it, but they're afraid to say that. Right. You're you definitely know? taking the power back on you know on what people may be thinking without saying you know. And I, I have black friends that are you know they'll say I'm an angry black man. Or, um, you know, a scared black man, but I see from you as a proud black man, which is like, like you are comfortable in that skin. You know, me and you had some dialogue on, uh, on, uh, you know, I was laying in bed and I saw you going live. So I wanted to ask you some questions like how as a white man, how can I help my black friends maybe use my, even my privilege 
to further the cause of equality. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, shit, as we said, you know, Martin Luther King, I mean, he brought awareness, but even what he did, I mean, he took a bullet for it. That he did. And then Malcolm X before him. And Colin Kaepernick got ostracized and kicked out of the NFL. Took a financial bullet. And all he did was take a knee. And to me, taking a knee for what he did was actually a respectful way to do it. Well, hindsight is is 20-20, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the two white dudes that tried to burn the flag in L.A. that time and Rick Monday had to snatch it. He didn't do that. So it's like as a a veteran, it's like I, I, I said this before. I fought for that freedom that he can have that expression and people are getting pissed off like Drew Brees and stuff like that. Like it's not the time. It's not the sensitivity. So like what as, you know, really as, as a white man, as a white woman, like what, what can we do to help our friends, you know, in this situation and you as a black man, yeah, what would you say to other black friends of yours, how you should speak, how should they should speak to their white friends on how they can help? Because that's a key. Because a lot of a lot of white people are too afraid to even ask that question. I already don't like. I feel like I already don't like how the question is posed. I like understand that, white- but listen, there's white people out there that say that, and he'll tell you that. They're like, I got friends that like to be called black men. I got friends that like mm-hmm. people of color, African American. So like, there's so much confusion. So let's educate other white people on how to respectfully help with the process and protest, so that it's effective. You know, so it's a concentrated mm-hmm. effort. I mean, what do you say to that, Biz? Um, well, I, I agree with both you guys. I think it's an uncomfortable question to ask. So I appreciate you being courageous enough to pose it. Um, and it is an uncomfortable question to answer because oftentimes um, we will single out people to be these major identifiers of, of how everyone should feel about everybody who's like them. And that's not that's not true. You know, even though uh, I am a black man and I'm proud to say so. Um, I understand that if I'm a black man and I'm raised in California, then I might feel differently about that blackness and then I might want to be identified as such. So I can only maybe speak to me personally, how I want to be identified and what I think would help me um, with the people who are in my network, such as you guys. So off top, you know, I want to be called my name. <laughs> you know, if I walk into a room, it's, it's you know, my, my government name is Jaquan. Call me, call, me, call me by my name. That's, that's, that's number one. Number two is... Uh, Ask the questions that you have uh, that you're in, you, you you have questions about, right? As opposed to assuming, right? Four agreements. Don't make assumptions. Don't assume. I won't take it personally if you choose to explore with me, right? Hey, I don't know how to feel about you in this moment, so please enlighten me because I'm a human being like you're a human being. Again, I'm not a conventional type of guy, and I, I may not word things properly, but again, I'm I'm sitting here in a perspective of I have white friends, and maybe some of them are racist. If I find mm-hmm. out they're racist, I'll be saying, hey. You know, there's a funeral for them. They're dead to me Wow. because I won't stand with that. You know, it's just not going to happen. And if you're a mean person, I don't even want that person in my life. So if essentially you're, not- you're trying to advance the solidarity. Right. Well, can I say this about racism? The problem with racism is that it's it's so inherently prevalent because people don't know what it looks like. Yep. Right. A lot of people just act. They, a lot of people just act normal. And when something deviates from the norm or a certain sect of people aren't invited into that norm, then however, when you ne- whenever you in that moment choose to look at them differently than yourself, then you're being racist. Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of white people uh, misinterpret the uh, privilege that they have. And I don't ever mean to make someone's privilege be demonstrative. You know, I it's OK. It. It's OK to have privilege. Like, for example, if all three of us walk into a room that I've been in before, 
then I walk into that room with privilege. It doesn't yes. mean that I think I'm better. It means that I have a I have the upper hand in this moment. And that is America as a whole. America, when you're when you're black, it's like walking into a room where no one knows your name or wants to acknowledge that you've walked into the room until they can figure out exactly, are you here to rob this room? And it's are like, well, why threat? is that even an option? Yeah, well, am I a threat? Put your wallets like, in the bag, you know? Absolutely, yeah. you know, and, and let's be very clear, that is a possibility because it has happened. So I'm not taking that away. I'm not gonna, you know, try to exist in this imaginary space where there aren't people who look like me that have done things maliciously. It happens, but you know what? There are people that look like everybody that have done malicious things, but yet we don't choose to uh, define the entirety of a people by what one or two or three, not even percent of those people have done. It's something that has been going on for a long time. And I think a lot of frustration comes from the fact that the conversation is happening currently when it's a conversation that, I mean, I can only account from my birth, but it's a conversation that should have been happening from from way back. Right. So even the idea of like, hey, how do you want to be identified? Identify me as my name first. You know, I'm a human being like, like you know, like you guys. But you do have uh, something you recently published, The Five Things on a Black Man's Mind. So mm -hmm. to, for that portion of things, what, what are you referencing? What are you, what perspective is this here? Yeah, so with that, that was something that I wanted to do. So I think it's important to be able to speak your voice, speak your mind, try to find words to match your emotions, even though it's almost impossible because words are limited and emotions are unlimited infinite rather. So with that, that was me trying to introduce people into having the conversation, right? By okay. me letting you know, hey, these are five things that are on my mind currently. And I am a black man. And since people seem to really be interested in what um, I am thinking as it pertains to what's happening currently, I thought it was an important video to put out. The, the five things that I hinted at, well, not hinted at, but alluded to in the video were um, the responsibility that I feel like I'm meant to have in this in this space currently, right? There's a responsibility, obviously, I struggle with overall because you're born a certain way, you're born into a certain place, or obviously this is your nature versus your nurture, right? Uh, and then when you become old enough to try to decide which of those two things should be more, um, you want to access more in your life um, based on what you want to do versus what you were told to do or taught to do or conditioned to do. Um, the second thing I thought about in there was uh, emotions, right? Because people feel... You're made to feel like you're not allowed to visit your emotions as a male in general, uh, let alone when you have emotions that um, are linked towards something that other people find controversial, you tend to hide those things. And when you kind of just collect that trauma, when it eventually does come out, it comes out in a way you did not intend. And I think a lot of that is what you see on the front lines of the protests. Um, I, spoke about, I spoke to uh, Influencer Letdown. I think there's a lot of people who we championed as people who represented us, who in this moment where we really need representation from people who have that access, they're letting us down, right? You have a seat at that table, you're not using your voice at the table, then we won't have a voice, you know? Which is why it's so sad when we lose people like like a Kobe Bryant, because it took took us 41 years to, yeah, right? It took us 41 years to build a Kobe Bryant, to have a, a, a version of us in that room with that level of respect. And uh, Yeah, but they to tried to put him down, you know what I mean? Right. So who are some of these people that you would like to see step up and use their platform? Um, I'm, I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but what I will say is this, that there's people who I respect that have platforms that I understand don't have the words to match the, the, um, the influence that they have. And what I would wish for those people is that um, instead of remaining silent, that you instead point us toward the people who you subscribe to for having the voice, right? So if you are able to galvanize a million people at a moment's notice, 
perhaps you don't because you're like, I don't know which way to send these people because I'm not politically inclined. Cool. No problem. Who do you subscribe to in these moments? LeBron, Point us toward, MJ. Right. Point us toward those people so that we can all LeBron's decide, been okay. LeBron's using his platform for oh, good. LeBron oh, yeah, absolutely. Doing. Absolutely. But I'm saying if I'm somebody who has a platform and hasn't used it in this moment, then say, hey, you know what? Guys, I, I align with LeBron. That's enough. Okay. Okay. But you know what, though? The, the one person that sticks out in my mind is mm-hmm. MJ. M- MJ, with that documentary that came out, Love It or Hate It, everyone watched it. Everyone watched it. His ratings were through the roof. But like the guest that was just on said, Michael Jordan purposely stays out of politics. Well, yeah, because it's being busy. We're talking like, hey, Republicans buy sneakers. But mm. what Busy's saying is that he could say, hey, I'm not a political guy, but maybe you should go talk to this guy. Because once he does that, he then gives a power to that person to Absolutely. be like his representative of his voice. Uh-huh. Is that okay. what you're saying? Yes, definitely. Thank you for echoing. Yeah. And I will go. say this about Michael. Um, there was a perfect storm. I mean, you couldn't have planned it better. You know, we we lost basketball, right? We lost all sports of form and, uh, it's all form of sports entertainment. Yeah. And here's this thing that not that wasn't just more sports, but it was nostalgic. So you had nostalgia into sports and it gets you going again and then you get to reshape the narrative because it's twenty years past. Um, I thought the the MJ presentation was a bit selfish, and I know that's not what the conversation is about, but I thought it was a bit selfish. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, I thought it was selfish for him to release because, you know, we're at the end of LeBron's journey. You know, he may or may not even come back to basketball if basketball comes back. And so for LeBron to, I'm sorry, for, for Michael Jordan, the, the one of the greatest dot, dot, dots to ever exist on the, the, the planet Earth, to hit, for him to kind of like re-underline his name and make sure that, you know, people are still discussing him. It's like you got to let the next generation do their thing as well. So You got to wonder if there's a new me. shoe release coming. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. And, it, you know, it'd be crazy. I don't want to demean him in that regard. But to your point, as a, as a shrewd businessman, it would be crazy for him not to leverage all of the momentum towards but, something. But financial. think about it. He knew he had a captive audience because everyone was home. Right. So well, he couldn't have. I, but this was already as, made. Yeah. So when what? he released exactly. it, yeah, but it was made, but it could have been on the shelf. Did they? Did they? See, I don't know this. Did they move up the release, or like was it just made? That's a good question. My point is like I know, that, he that had this content for forever. What? Yeah. Like when was it produced and when was the anticipated release? I don't think he ever wanted to be like the hero guy, the like good guy. I don't think people like him like that. I think he's not a likable guy. Like when it comes to person to person, sure he has a good reputation as a sports figure. Yeah. But I don't. Michael just wanted to be the best and do what he wanted to do. But what I mean isn't that all of us in a way? Well, you know that, and I'm happy you guys bring that up. I think a lot of times you take somebody who's really good at what they do and then you try to assign other attributes to them. Yes. It's like, yeah. he just wants to play basketball. He I didn't want to be a role model. He just wanted to be an NBA champion. Absolutely. And he wanted to be an NBA champion because that's what they were giving out. If there was something higher than that, he'd have went for that oh, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like should, same I thing with Michael Kobe. Jordan should be reserved to basketball he, as opposed to Kobe whose who's reach was way past the, you know, the immediate sport realm and then obviously like we see with LeBron James. But yeah. the, you don't get you don't get a LeBron James and Kobe Bryant without a Michael Jordan, so obviously I'm paying off. Uh, Kobe said that too. Yeah. Yeah. But you could even go back and say without that you you wouldn't have a Dr. J or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, and, and, and shit, a Jackie Robinson. You could say I don't get Kobe Bryant without Jackie Robinson. 
And I'm happy you brought that up because, you know, to LeBron James's credit with his production company, Spring Hill Entertainment, yeah. um, you know, they released one of the greatest docuseries I've seen with the Shut Up and Dribble. And yeah. the, way they, the way they really went back and discussed what all of those black basketball players did to give voice to what the basketball players maybe take for granted now because they're unaware of the history. You know, like a lot of people don't know, basketball players were super underpaid, but the NBA wasn't the cash cow that it, that it is no, not at all. then. No, you but know, so. Back then was baseball even, like, one of my idols, favorite players watching. Love them. Reginald mm. Martinez Jackson, Reggie Jackson, number 44 mm. for the New York Yankees. Mr. October. Like, Mr. October, right? So listen to this, like, because, like, he was out there, okay? Like, my point is, like, polarizing figures like him that were controversial, but they were black men, proud mm. black men. And, and like, all of the black men before Kobe and before Michael that did that and, like, you know, were able to transcend sports to a bigger level because, like, even, like, shit, they named, like, candy bars after Reggie. You know, yeah. like he was a marketer first, you know, and that was and then Dr. J and, you know, it, it just so it's like, shit, I was listening to one with Shaq the other day and he's saying, you know what? He's like, I went to this thing. I was trying to get my shoe out and then everyone's like crushing me like you can't sell your shoe. Big men don't sell. And he's like, shit, no big man does sell. So he figured out I got to be funny. Shaq's mm -hmm. a brilliant marketer. And Absolutely he figured out is. I'm going to make everybody laugh. So, Jack was my hero when I was a kid. But going back to using your platform for good, mm -hmm. don't you feel like LeBron has done that with that barbershop series too? Isn't that his? Do, am I giving the right person credit for that barbershop series he did? Know. With yeah, um, um, like different like rappers and different um, athletes. Yeah, he uh, he's had, he has the barbershop series. Um, him and uh, Maverick Carter. Um, and, and a lot of that ends up like circulating on political content. Yeah, but I don't need. I don't think everything needs to be political. Yeah, but yeah, I'll, but utilizing your platform to, to expose problems in the American system—that's that's what right. we're talking about here. But that's where that, that's where it gets really tricky, right? So you know, I do applaud anybody who uses their platform for the advancement of whatever the cause it is that is positive to that's going to positively impact society. It does get really tricky though because if you're you know, because we're, because we're speaking of it, if you're a person who identifies as black, right, if you're a person of color, you are constantly um, moving into rare space. And so as you get into that rare space, people put an unfair amount of pressure to highlight political issues with the little bit of real estate that you get in that new space. So yeah, if I'm LeBron James, cool, not many executives of color get shows like that on a, a, a network like HBO. So I got this show now. So it's like, cool. So now I only got to talk about these issues. You know, he gets to be funny as well with the, with the people that he has there. So, you know, it's definitely not all political, but what I do appreciate because the whole idea is that, you know, in the, in these neighborhoods, you know, we, we, we do, we spend a lot of time at the barbershop. It's the country club that we can afford, right? There's no cost uh, of entry. That's a so we sit in there, Right. We, we sit in there and we discuss things, you know, from religion to politics to um, whatever's trendy to whatever's hurting us as a people. And sometimes there's a lot of arguments that keep people from being murdered out in the street because we were able to settle it in the barbershop. So that idea of the barbershop and bringing it to HBO was much bigger than just being a form of entertainment. It was kind of almost normalizing black culture out loud um, without people even kind of realizing it. Which the majority of America loves.
black well, culture. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. That's, also, you know. well, people don't realize people love Amer- America loves black culture because black culture is one of the only one of the few true American things. A lot it's of things authentic. in America. Right, it's a lot of things in America are adopted from other places. You know, yep. a lot of our language is from other places, but the black culture unto itself, by way of its origin point, was completely uh, constructed here. So it's really easy for anyone in America to understand black culture because it's synonymous to your well, to your, bu- yeah, to, no, your being. to me, to me, I've said there's nothing more American than black culture. That's as authentic as it can be, because it's starting from Motown. And, and, you know, just it, it's it's the way it's embraced, you know, and, and the way it came up, because it, like, it, like he's saying, it didn't start in like Egypt or Italy or Africa. It started here, you know. Well, yeah. And in, in, in some respects, obviously, yeah, some aspects of the culture from the home places were able to remain. But for the most part, you know, what we have as we're realizing it is you know, this version of American black culture. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, some of you could say, hey, Hollis, Queens is where a lot of black culture started. And Shaolin, or you say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Compton. And, 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 but it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you turn on TV, you turn on, it's, it's embraced. So, you know, why not embrace Black Lives Matter? Like you got these people out there, I hate it. They're like, you say Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. Fuck you, shut the fuck up. That's that's not the timing, Drew Brees. You're right. Why can we you celebrate know? black culture, but yeah, then we can't like, celebrate this movement? Yeah, it's like it's that. It's like focused on we get it. Yeah, all, yeah, we people. we get it. Everyone should be cared about. But guess right. what? Our black friends are not being cared about. Are being disenfranchised, and that's what we need to draw yeah. attention to right now. They're being stepped on, mm-hmm. Thank you. literally yeah, and figuratively. And then yeah. when you see that image of that fucking murderer with his knee on George Floyd's neck, and I don't, like, Candace Owens was out there saying, fuck, did you see that, Biz? Candace no, Owens saying, oh, don't don't make him a martyr. I'm like, I don't think he's being made a martyr, but it's, it's like, hey, how many more times does this have to happen that our fellow brothers are being killed? And yeah. I don't care that he had seven convictions or this or that and the other thing. That's not the point. Because right. last time I checked, the reason he was free on the street is because he paid his debt to society. And last Correct. time I checked, it's like, hey, you can rehabilitate yourself. And you can. Oh, yeah, he was, was a father. Point, right? Yes. So do, do you mean you commit one crime? Fuck it. Just kill the guy then. Just fucking just kill me. If you want to call me a felon, you want to call me this or that, just fucking put a bullet in my head and fucking yeah, end it. Yeah, but you're, you're speaking to a lot of different, like, really important oh, I know. things to that community. Because obviously, I mean, m- most people don't realize it, but, you know, once you get that felony on your on your thing, it's like you become dead to America. Guilty. Yeah, you can't, you can't get a job. Yeah. You can't. It's very difficult to get a well-paying job. It's well, very it's difficult to get a... Right, well, right, there's right. a lot it's of barriers to, to re-enter society. Loan. Once you're 100%. labeled, and watch this, once you're labeled, then basically that's society trying to limit you. And I said that in my opening. Not trying, I said, absolutely limiting. And they're trying to throw you down. But guess what? For many, for hundreds and thousands, well, hundreds of years, obviously the label, there was the N-word, or even a black man. Like people are trying to make, like, I love how you started out, like, my label is a, I'm a black man. And you're going to call me by my name. And that's proud. 
So you're taking that back as as power, and I love that, you know. And whereas other people tried to make it a label of bad, and they're fucked up for that. And as a white man, like, I can't say, you know, I'm proud to have, you know, friends like Busy or Damien or Shelton that came on because then I'd be a hypocrite if I'm not going to stand up. And you know what? Like, for far too long, I don't know whether I was too busy or just not paying attention, but... You're unaffected by it. Yeah, it's like I was desensitized because, you know, how many people have I seen, white or black, that have been killed over the years? But you turn mm-hmm. on the TV, he's like, fuck, another person died. And he's like, I feel bad about that. But I told Busy this the other day, like, that was actually the first time I turned on TV and I watched it. And it was just the audio, the visual, that everything came together. And this goes back to your show last night that you had with your guest on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot his name, but he's in the music industry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's in the music. Yeah, he's a he's a good dude. Really good. But dude. you said to him, like, what do you think happened in this situation with George Floyd, where people were like, on a grand scale, like white people, like even me, are saying, "Holy shit!" Yeah, what's going on in America, in the world, that we're allowing this to happen, and that we allowed this to happen? Because I know it woke me up. It made me angry. Yeah. Like, and I've never been angry before. I've been pissed off or upset before, but literally angry, like like screaming at the TV, like, where is somebody with a baseball bat hitting the Asian and then hitting the other guy? You know, the cops, you know, whatever. But why, I do have to ask, like, why Last all the question. shock and awe at this point when this has been going on for so long? This isn't the first footage. This isn't well, anywhere To me, near. it was how close it was and how, you know, a black man and a woman were standing there saying, why are you, like, and you've seen his lifeless body, like, you see him being killed in There's front of you. There's a lot of footage like this. So this was just, I don't know, it was, to me it was really graphic, and the fact that a lot of times it's maybe only, like, one cop or two cops around, but there was four people and there's people, like, there was, like, it was, like, a play-by-play of a sporting event. You had the commentator and then the right. other person giving even more color to it. Like, look, he's no longer breathing. He wasn't resisting. You know, why do you think this was such a powerful image versus other times when people haven't reacted? Um, I don't think it's a surprise. I think every moment we get to has the weight of the momentum of the entirety of time behind it. So when that when George Floyd was murdered, he was murdered when he was murdered in front of America and then and then globally. We had never had this much technology. We had never had this much access. The speed of connection thanks to people like bill has never been instant. as quick yeah it's, it's just it was immediate had you heard have you heard have you heard every one of your friends sent you the link and they didn't just send you the same link they sent you the link from this platform from that platform a direct download one video was longer than the other one video had a different angle not to mention people who were in the area all had different angles of the thing so they're all feeding their networks so it's not a surprise that this impacted the world not because it's new but because our ability to share is new, which highlights the fact that there's a voice that needed to be heard prior that needed the amplification that is the current form of technology that we have at our disposal in order yeah. to be heard. But and this is watched, a finite resource. We watched, a man, we watched a man be choked out. It's different because a lot of murders that we've seen, unfortunately, well, we see murders a lot. A lot of those were gun violence. Gun yeah. violence is incredibly instant. It's bang, okay. bang, and it's done, right? You don't watch a person suffer as much. And, and it's really like like the one where the two white guys just murdered Ahmad. Ahmad. Mm-hmm. It, you saw, it wasn't up. It was from a distance. You hear pop, 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 and he falls. And you hear somebody. Less intimate to you. And you didn't hear somebody actually 
like the two people that were yelling at the cops and they were describing it like they they I mean shit they could have been describing it as if they were medical doctors like they knew what was going on like because you're killing it's not him. new right like the, those people you heard and again I don't recall their audio but if I'm to step into the shoes of a black person watching that yeah none none of that's about to be new to them yeah. Right. They're thinking about years and years and years of that having of had that happen and they're yeah. watching it. Right. You know, they're not assuming that this guy's about to die because they're not aware of his physical condition. They knew it was they, gonna happen. But they're aware of his suffering. Yeah. You know? You almost would rather watch someone die instantly than suffer. Yeah, slowly. exactly. He was he was tortured. You know, no one, no one. We kill we kill people on death row faster than 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 George Floyd died. Oh yeah, thirty seconds. Oh yeah, it was such like belittlement and disrespect. It was so dehumanizing. But this is oh, right. there's only so a small the matter the of first... time, you guys, that we're gonna see stuff like this because Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're, they're censoring censor... it all. They were censoring we my man busy the other day. It's a matter of time before busy, we cannot busy speak tried our to minds upload, anymore. Busy tried to upload a video, and it just wouldn't upload. So he's like, "Fuck it, I gotta go live." And then he went live, and he did wind up doing two hours of it. So, we need a new yeah. platform. So I, I asked a couple questions on it, and then he's like, all right, we're going to end this, but we're going to come back live. His guest was like, we got to continue this conversation because it was a good conversation. And that's, and I tried to go on. I'm like. Does that not scare the hell out of well, you? Well, watch this. It wasn't like usually on Instagram you see the thing at the top and it says live. Uh-huh. Didn't see that for him. Like the second hour. Oh, like they weren't. I woke up the next morning and I'm like, oh shit, he went back live again. Okay. Yeah, like they're they're. What they're... do you think about that? Um, I think that if you've seen it in a movie, then it's possible. And movies are probably still a century behind what we're doing in Art real life. Art imitates so, life. A thousand percent. I mean, it wow. still does. So yeah, there's there's algorithms that can show, and this is not this is not that crazy. There's algorithms that can show that a certain zip code has a certain kind of people so if yep. you can maybe not necessarily limit the so the service but choke it every once in a while so that people disconnect and their life goes off then it's not noticeable but then we do they would end up doing a decent enough job to catch things through the filtering yeah some things still hit the net so to yeah. speak but you know you, you know now you don't have your your thing flooded with something that's going to make people upset but if it's yeah. the thing that people can't need have, to see yeah you can't have busy it. educating a white man I mean, listen. God I, forbid that happens. <laughs> I I can only speak to what I know, I'm saying that you know? though because yeah. I was pissed off because I want to watch it, so I did watch it, and then I watched your one last night, you know. And even if I can't catch it live, but I'm watching it, so it it was, uh, you know, I'm still gonna watch it because it's. If they it's take away our content. freedom of speech, what do we have left? Well, well, let's not assume the black man's freedom, freedom of, speech. of speech been taken away forever. They've we never, never gotten it yet. Yeah, think about right. that. They really haven't. Because they speak no. up, and what do they do? They get stepped on. That's true. It's, Anybody that goes against the group, though. Yeah, guilty. Yeah, there's, like, but there's a difference. We're talking about yeah. from the 60s, which is, I would say, the 60s. Obviously, it happened prior, but we're talking about recorded time, right? Yeah. Heavy newspaper rotations and things like that. Yeah. Just the high-level names, right? Obviously, people are aware of you know, the Martin Luther Kings, and that's crazy. This was somebody who was a leader. He was a young man in his 30s. I'm I'm nearly the same age as Martin Luther King when he was assassinated. It yep. blows my mind to think that that was the amount of influence he had. And a lot of people don't understand Martin Luther King was a genius. He graduated high school at 15. He graduated just think from if that man had a he had full doctorate. Life. At, he had his doctorate at 25. Just just you think know? if he lived as long as Muhammad Ali, who was another man that was brilliant. 
Right, but then even then with the with the Parkinson's, it's like you know people always there's always conspiracies about that. It's like oh well he was silenced. I don't know. I don't yeah. want to sit here and play the conspiracy. Paralyzed, yeah, yeah. But everything's Vaccine. possible. But yeah, yeah, I will say this: your Martin Luther Kings, your Malcolm X's, and 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 your uh, damn, it's just so many people that just it gets. What do you think of Farrakhan? Um, I think that Farrakhan is a necessary voice. It's not. It's not a matter of whether or not you just. I actually agree with a, a lot of the stuff he says. I really do. And I'm not Muslim, but man, like some of the stuff he says, it makes you think. You know. So I always respected his stance. It's very difficult for us here in America to separate the message from the deliverer. So you can get good information from 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 poisonous fruits, but not a people are scared to eat around a seed, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first saw the first clip, right, all I heard first it was like you heard the narrative that they wanted to set out. Black man resisting arrest got killed. Found blah, 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 blah. But then I watched the whole video, the first part of the video. Mm -hmm. And the first part of the video is him across the street, not even nowhere near anything. Right. And very calmly, puts his hand behind his back, he gets handcuffed, he sits against a wall, Okay. Every cop, and I've been to two police academies, okay, if that man was a violent man and he was going to resist arrest, and I don't care about the stories in the past life, he did this, he did that, or he did something violent, but we're talking about this instance. We're judging him on this instance, okay? The past does not represent the future. He, if he was going to be violent, he was going to be violent before he got handcuffed, okay? They handcuffed him, they put him against the wall. It's not until they picked him up, okay, and he was walking him to the police car, okay? And, and, you know, listen, I guarantee you, he was handcuffed. There's this bone on your wrist, mm -hmm. and they're behind him. And I guarantee you they were fucking with him, and they were twisting his wrist. It's like, you know, if you've ever been handcuffed, you know that's what they do. And I've been through training, and they even teach you that. And if there's cops out there who are my friends and they're pissed off at me, well, fuck you too because you know what fucking happens. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to – the black cops and the white cops are going to start screaming like fucking idiots, stop resisting, stop resisting, stop resisting. And you know what they're going to see? Then that – what does that do? That gets the eyes on you now, right? That uh -huh. gets the eyes on, on the, the group. And that they want. And they can't see the guy with his hand because it's behind him. They're just going to see – Big black man, ooh, scary black man, walking with these little white cops or whatever, or even big white cops, and he's jumping up and fucking down. And what is it? It looks like he's resisting. But, man, you put a little piece of metal on this fucking bone and you twist it, it's going to fucking hurt like hell. And, and you're you said they drum. teach you this in the academy? Fuck yeah, they teach you this. It's called control. And that's the thing. And it's not, it's control the subject. But you know what? In that instance, that murderer was controlling the black man. Okay? And like I said, and- I said to Busy, and you're going to talk about this, George Floyd was murdered, I don't know, 20, 15 years ago. When that yeah. first complaint of brutality against that cop was dismissed by internal affairs, we're like, fuck it, thin blue line, got to protect our own. That's when he was murdered. That's when his death sentence was signed. What do you say to that, mm -hmm. Biz? Um, I agree, and I think my counter to that, or my compliment to that was uh, the same thing happens for you know kids when they are young. You know, As soon as you defund the public school system as soon as you take away an after-school program as soon as you take away the as soon as you don't clean up the local park and there's glass or there's, yeah. there's too much on the field to, in order to play you stop participating in things that actually will be to your betterment so you take that away from a seven or eight year old now this person becomes conditioned to magnetize toward the other things that might be negative and not for them and by the time it comes back around to 15 16 and you're trying to coach them into something good it's too late i've the had a decade yeah. of doing dumb shit 
I don't understand the language you're trying to explain to me. I've been surviving without you and your helping hand. And so now you want to show up with a helping hand and try to change my life around? Forget about it. And then guess what? You lock up a 15-year-old. Well, 15-year-olds, yes, they get locked up, but you lock up a 17-year-old. My brother, my brother went to jail when he was 17. He was locked up long enough and he became 18. Once he became 18, they attached a 15-to-life sentence to him. He spent wow. 15 years in jail, right? They never, they never were able, they never had enough evidence to prove that he did the thing. And what the, the lawyer against him did was prove that he was the kind of person who would, which wasn't very difficult because you just start describing the surroundings. You could have took my brother's name out and described anybody in anybody, the neighborhood yeah. that he was in. It's like, oh yeah, this kind of person, of course, would do this kind of thing. What else would they have to do? I'm not making any excuses for people, but I'm saying that. Again, no, we, yeah, back, I get what you're saying. Yeah, this yeah, is but what go I back to go the back original to... question is what could people do, black or white, to better understand, to help in this moment, is to better understand the point of origin. But you made, there. you made before you get to your thing, you made a good point because, you know, my mom, you know, she didn't go to college or anything, but she knew, again, my mom was from Newark, New Jersey. That's where she was born and raised. My mom knew because she saw it with my older brothers and my sisters, like, hey, listen, this young one, I got to keep him busy. So she put me in wrestling. She put me in baseball. She put me in Pop Warner. Like, I, like my mom's like, I don't want him to breathe. Like, I want him so busy because of how she knew my my mind worked that, like, yeah, I mean, if, if there was an opportunity, I'm an opportunist. I'm going to take it. So she kept me so busy, and I thank her for that. Like to my, protect you but from my the mom is like, of your neighborhood. You know, again, it's just an Italian girl, really uneducated, you know, and, and had a baby at 17, my oldest, oldest sister, and and she knew that, like, so when, like, if she knows that, don't you think the smart people should know, like, hey, clean up the park, give them a place to go, have after school programs, have food. Like, you know, like in this community here in York, you know, this COVID thing fucked every. Like, I was a poor kid on the free milk system and on the free lunch system. And then you, you canceled school and now, like, that milk at 10 a.m., that was my that that like oh my that killed that that helped my hunger pains go away for the night, you know from and then and then lunch at like eleven thirty or twelve o'clock that was my lunch and literally you got enough calories that lasted you to the next day so if you were poor and you couldn't eat like you know you go hungry so went went with this thing and they there was no programs that stepped up and helped feed these kids right so biz what do you want what, what are you gonna say and then biz I wanted to say like you said about your brother how they created this false narrative yeah. to influence the minds of the people that made decisions. And how you said, when you watched the video, originally you saw the newscast said, uh, guys resisting arrest against officers. Yeah. I see this all the time in the news now, and I feel like it's so overwhelming. It's they They fake the narrative and poison our minds and then pin us against each other. And that's the other. media too. And that's happening all over. There's no more journalistic integrity from anyone. The New York Times, Washington Post, I don't care what you say, all of it is so one-sided and it's it's poisoning our minds and it's not actually the reality of things and it took so many people to overwhelm the social media to say these are peaceful protests that's not all this rioting that's that's not true to actually make a difference and then once we overcame that then they're like oh yeah that's right but always the media is painting one specific well that's image. why we can't trust them and that's why i and started this exactly. podcast because exactly. we need, I, I'm, I, listen, we're getting I, I'm bad the guy, information. He's the guy, like we, you know, Busy's the guy. I'm the guy. We're, we're the, we're the men that can 
you know, we're not afraid of these tough conversations. And you, I, since I've known you, like you're a woman that's not afraid of the intellectual and deep conversation, you know? So it's, I'm just getting very, very pissed off that all of these, these forms of things that are, are, are there for us or we're supposed to trust are so poisonous and so misleading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about this. The people who get to be informed are being misinformed. And they're being misinformed by people who are also seeing that same misinformation, but it's about them, right? There's a narrative being created about them that they're believing because it's what's being said. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a crook. I got to be. Look how they're treating me. Which means that if we're talking about hierarchies, because outside of racism, we definitely practice classism and elitism here in America, unfortunately. So you're absolutely looking down the chain like, I don't give a fuck about how these people feel when I'm pissing down on them. They're just going to think it's rain by the time it gets to them. You know, I don't even trust them to properly uh, interpret what I'm telling them because I can always say I didn't say it. You know, it's this where we've reached an age now where you can see it happen and people can still deny it because we're still allowed our day in court, so to speak. You know, people are still going to uh, filter things on the Internet before it gets to you. People are still going to say, well, what kind of person did it happen to before it's uh, what happened to the person? You know, even like the video you sent me yesterday, Bill, with the uh, with the guy in um, Buffalo who was knocked down. He had his head cracked up. Clearly. Had his, he was knocked down and immediately began to bleed from the back of his head and from, from his, his ear. fucking ear. Right, but did you hear what happened? No. No. So the two police that pushed him down were suspended. And as a result of oh. those police being suspended, 57 police officers uh, walked out of the job. Thin blue line. These two people just killed just killed a man. They just killed a man. They just killed a man. Essentially, he's brain. He's yeah. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but let's assume he's brain dead. No one, no one walked out of the job when there was this video circulating on the internet about ten days ago of a guy being choked out. I don't, I don't. He, I didn't hear any cops walking out of. The yeah, job. but Biz, they didn't Anywhere. really. They just quit the special response team. They didn't quit their jobs. Yeah, they're still so like paid. they're like fuck it. I don't want to be on the special response team. They still get the same salary. So to me, I think, fire those fuckers, you know? Like, you know, they really didn't quit. Like, to me, if you want to quit, quit. Give up your paycheck, you scumbag. Because you're saying it's, oh, those 57 people are saying it's okay to push down a defenseless white dude. Like, you mean you couldn't, like, if he was a criminal or fucking- They're not better tactics to do yeah, that. Yeah, there's not better ta- Like, take that out of your toolbox. That shouldn't a be in your percent. toolbox. Again, I'm not a police officer, but in that moment, I did. But there was nothing that made me feel like this guy needed to be no. met with physical resistance. It's like, come on, I could let's place this guy to the side. A if you got to put him in the yeah, put him in restraints, guy? put him in restraints. But he didn't need to be pushed six feet back in reverse. He got pushed off off camera. They had the pan, they had the pan to see where he landed. Yeah, and then they walked by him. Like I haven't seen it. I don't fuck, think I can. Oh, it's fucked up. And he immediately yeah, it's disgusting. Immediately blood flowing from his ears. Right. And again, I'm not trying to this is this adds into us being desensitized by the media that's being put out there. Right. You see things like that um, and immediately you 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 act. I'm sorry. Immediately you have an emotional response. And then but almost as immediately you keep scrolling. And I think so much of America that wasn't black had to keep scrolling mind state because, yeah, oh, yeah, something else is happening to those people. Um, but I will say this back to what you guys were saying. There's an interesting um, there's, there's a study that was out, that was written back in the 60s that um, 
basically tried to argue um, as to why Nixon was able to come into power, right? Because he called himself the law and order president, law and order candidate, as was just kind of echoed by this guy, um, the uh, 45. And what he did by doing that was because the protests themselves were starting to become, they went from peaceful protests, which um, white America was okay with, right? This is based on the, 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 the statistics that they had then. Sure. But when the protest became violent, that made everybody nervous. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, we're here for advancement, but we're not here for them to start uh, burning down stores or to, um, because, of, you know, in, in a riot, there's lawlessness because the cops are responding to this. So now they can't respond to something else that might be happening. So if you're telling me that you're going to shut down the riots, which I'm scared of, then, oh, well, I understand that the advancement that they might have been fighting for kind of goes by the wayside as well. I just really want my safety. So I'm not surprised to see today that somebody who is up for re-election this year says, I'm the law and order president. And here we have violent uh, uh, protests that are becoming more and more violent, which no one wants to see violence. So if I can tell you that I'm going to stomp out the violence, then you understand that, oh, well, these people's rights that they were fighting for, we'll just put that by the wayside. But just tell me people are going to stop looting. Bill, let me ask you a question. You were an Army Ranger, correct? I was an Army military police officer and veteran, yeah. So it, it, it goes to say that, it stands to say that you had proper firearm training. I I'm, I consider, yeah, I'm very good at that, yeah. <laughs> you are proficient with a firearm. I, I'm one of the best I know, yeah. And I, I won't doubt that. But my question is this. You understand but I'm how not much allowed, practice. I don't own any, let's be clear. I don't own any firearms anymore. I haven't for many years, you know, so I, I don't an, own any firearms. But, but I'm pretty confident if I did have the opportunity to ever own one again or get to touch one again, that, uh, you know, repetition is the mother of all skill, and I would be pretty damn good at it if uh, I was allowed to. Again, repetition being the mother of all skill. Yeah. Um, people are going to do, uh, people are going to execute well where they practice. Right. So if you were to uh, handle a firearm right now, we could trust you. To, we could trust you to be proficient. Uh, but imagine handing right. that same firearm to somebody who's never held a firearm before. You can almost guarantee that someone's going to get hurt, not the intended target. And that's yeah. the equivalent of. Yeah. Plaxico kinda, Burris. He's going to shoot himself in the leg. Right. But that's but I'm saying that that's the larger analogy. For I love saying, Plaxico. Oh, yeah. Let's just let's just flood this community with a bunch of money because, you know, let's just give them a bunch of, of uh, let's give them a bunch of platforms to be able to do that. Like if you're, you're, you can't just all of a sudden show up and give a bunch of people who have no training in, in how to execute at a certain level yeah, yeah. Um, and then expect them to um, be 10 out of 10, like which is not going to be 10 out of 10. You know, even with a lot of the attention that people are getting, there's a lot of people who are being given platforms and people are listening to them, myself included, who um, well, yeah, I like if you're trained to jump yeah. out of a helicopter on a rope and you've never done it before, the first time you do it, you might kill yourself. A thousand percent. And and we were trusting you to save somebody at the bottom. So now yeah, exactly. both <laughs> people are going to die. You know, and I think that's another thing that's happening. And that, that so to me, I, that's what I hear I when I hear I heard something the, the other quote. day and I was like, wow, that's pretty true. So like cops, police officers, you know, should be and and held to a higher standard. Okay. Naturally. And what I mean by this was like, Biz, how many times a year do you fly on a plane? Many times, right? Yes. Well, I want my pilots held to a higher standard. We can't have 
25% of them, 5% of them, Bay's like, fuck it. Because you know what? When a pilot held to that higher standard and he crashes, massive lives are lost. But the same thing's happening. Like, think about this. this is a good parallel. If one of the other three cops had a conscience and stopped the him from murdering him, we wouldn't be in this situation today where even more lives are being murdered, you know, and hurt and looting and all that shit's happening. Like, that's that's a direct relation to that. And if immediately, like, say, okay, great, people are going to get killed, the people are going to fuck up. But society, like, Minnesota, they could have done something right away. It's like immediately, immediately. Like, here's the thing. If me or you go out and kill someone right now, we're fucking, they're coming with a barricade. And they're, they're breaking down our shit and arresting us right away. But, but the, norm the first norm is, to is not... protect their own. Yeah. Like, if they, like, somebody said, hey, if we arrested four people, we would have saved a lot. Like, this would have been figured out cops usually don't get indicted for brutality yeah so almost never it's internal affairs and different things and like shit in york we have a cop that you know and everybody's like well let's just he's innocent and proven until guilty i get it great i understand that you know i I, believe me i understand that but like you you said they need to be held to a higher standard but my point is like hey great but it should be investigated you know immediately the guy should have no more power of authority yeah so not a gun with that like, like if we if we expect our airline pilots to be perfect because if they're not people die you know our helicopter pilots have to be perfect because people like Kobe die like that like he should have never got up like that helicopter pilot should have never ever taken off you know but guess what that police officer should never ever put a fucking uniform on ever fair enough So pretty tough. Um, I think that he, uh, I will say this, and it's, it's sometimes controversial, but it's true. Um, yes, police officers do need to be held to a higher standard. Um, and I'll, and I'll I have another thing to follow up with. Um, they do need to be held to a higher standard, but I also can understand um, when you charge people with carrying firearms every day, when they kill somebody, you are allowed to double back to the data to say, okay, let me make sure that what happened happened. Because if I'm giving you a gun and telling you to patrol the streets, then I have to understand that there's a there's a small percentage that you will murder someone. And when it happens, I have to first assume that it was through um, the training that we gave you. And then assume that, because if I, if I have to assume primarily that you did it maliciously, then why'd I even arm you with a firearm and put you on the streets? Oh yeah. You know? And I'll say this, um, you know, the conversation I had yesterday with Steve Denton, I'm really grateful for that. Also, um, Bill, thank you for anything that you've checked out in the last couple of days and just in general, last couple of years. I really appreciate that. I take time, people's time really seriously. So anytime you spent um, with any of the content, thank you. Um, But one of the things I mentioned with Steve yesterday is that, you know, I've always been a big fan of um, reallocating some of the police department's uh, funding toward... um, an increase of the auxiliary police, right? We don't need to only see police officers in distressful moments. You know mm-hmm. why? Because that triggers us. When I see a police officer, I'm assuming it's I'm meant to be in distress because that's when I see them for the first time. 
if police officers or a section of the police officer or NYPD just naturally patrol the neighborhood in good yeah, and bad Any community times, policing, the beat cop. A thousand, yeah. a thousand percent. You just need to see them. They need to be interfacing with the people. And I actually think that it would bring the number of uh, calls down because then maybe you're less likely to have a thing happen. Maybe you're less likely to see the domestic disturbances. And I bring that up because, as a lot of people know, more officers die on domestic disturbance calls than any other call. Yeah. Oh, is that a fact? Oh, yeah. 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 And it's just, it's just, it's crazy to think like, damn, there, that's the call no one wants to answer to. Oh, you know, like when I was a military police officer and you heard domestic violence, like domestic disturbance, you know, such and such, uh, Ohio Avenue, you're like, fuck, you didn't know if like, so basically like you were going to come into the house and there's going to be a couch flipped over and you're going to just walk into a shotgun pointed at your head. And you're like, all right, I didn't sign up for this. I just joined to get my college paid for, you know? I'll tell you guys a story. Um, so um, I've only been pulled over once, but it really I got my life. That's pretty yeah. damn good. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, mind you, I have friends who've been pulled over well over a hundred times. Actually, one of my friends wrote a book about it because he got in, he got a felony um, that we didn't know he had until he went to apply for a job as um, for his master's degree. And they were like, "Hey, you know, you, you have a felony. We can't put you in schools." And it's like, "I have a what?" Um, but that's 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 one way they 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 trick a lot of young black. How Americans, the hell do you know, you know you don't have a felony? So I'd like uh, to hear that I mean, one. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely. Well, you know what? I'll definitely send you the link for his book. It's a very good book. It's called "You Got the Wrong One." Um, and with him, uh, with a lot of young black males, when you get picked up for something, you don't want to spend any time in jail. You get threatened with Rikers. You get threatened with these things, and you're like, well, you know, what? They give you an option. Hey, so if you just cop to this, you can go home. Or you just cop to this, and you got 30 days of uh, community service. Not understanding that now you're being put into the system which lasts forever, especially if you're an adult. As a kid, perhaps you can have it expunged when you hit 17 or 18. But if you're an adult, you get put into the system, that's forever. For him, it happens to It's a collection a agency. A thousand, forget about it, right? But with me, I only got pulled over once. I was about 21. It was late. Um, I was on my way to a gym that's 24 hours. We play basketball when it was late. Um, it was after a playoff game, so I knew it was a little bit late. It was a West Coast, West Coast game. Um, I made a left turn. I'm driving through a neighborhood that's a bit rough, right? I mean, just to be aware of, you know, of where I am. But this particular place where I got pulled over was only two blocks from the precinct. So I'm not thinking anything of it. Gentleman pulls me over um, and, you know, been going through the normal course of action. I didn't have any guns or drugs on me. At that point in my life, I was selling cars. I was making decent money for a 21-year-old. I wasn't really worried about life. I wasn't drinking yet. I never really smoked weed. That was never a thing of mine. I had nothing to worry about other than knowing knowing that I fit the system. Literally, I'm sitting there in the car thinking, okay, they're going to pull you over because that's what they do. You expect it. It happens. Um, that might have been my second or third, but it's not important. Um, he takes the license and registration, but then he doesn't come back to the car for about 20 minutes. I'm like, that's a long time. Wow. Right? So, okay, I'm sitting there, running out of gas. My sister didn't put any gas in the car, and it's hot, and I wanted to turn the car off, but I'm like, damn, I'm literally so on E. I think if I turn it off, I won't be able to turn it back on. So I'm sitting there and I'm calm. This is pre-social media heavy. So, you know, I'm not sitting there scrolling. I'm just kind of sitting there texting the person like, hey, I'm, you know, getting pulled over. I should be fine in a couple of minutes. I'll pick you up. Gentleman comes back to the car after about a half hour. And he starts asking me all these questions that he knows the already knows the answer to. But he's asking follow-up questions to see if I stole the car. Like, hey, you know, who's Bernadette? It's my mom's name. Like, oh, that's my mother. She owns this car. Oh, who's this person? Who's that person? Well, you know, what was the car registered? And there's all these other things. What's the license plate number? I'm like, 
I know all the answers to these questions, so I'm, a, I'm answering the question. And I'm thinking to myself in this moment, I'm still fine with everything that's happening because it happens. You get used to it. He walks away again for about 20 minutes. So now we're, up, we're nearing an hour that I've been sitting here, and I'm thinking to myself, perhaps he just wants me to come in for a lineup, which I was okay with. Because you understand that these things happen. You get asked to come in for a lineup so frequently because you look like somebody who perpetrated a crime. Do your job. I get it. Because if something happened to one of my sisters or something like that, I would want to make sure you were doing all you could to find that person. An hour passed, and it turns into a felony stop. So I don't know if you've ever been part of a felony stop. The car behind you pulls up to your bumper. They tap it. Another police car pulls up in front of you, backs up, and they tap your bumper. And then yep. another police car pulls up to your driver's door. So now... Because they're assuming if you're a felon and they find out something on you that you're going to want to evade because you don't want to go back to jail. So now I'm completely boxed in by three police cars. Oh, yeah. and, I'm and I'm going on 90 minutes of sitting in this car, um, sitting there. And the thing that scares me now about it more than anything, I mean, it literally gives me fucking shivers. And I'd cry if I was a cry is that I almost feel like, and not saying that they were malicious, but could you guys imagine if I would have stepped out the car to say, hey, what's going on? You wouldn't be talking to me right now. You understand? Uh -huh. After about 90 minutes, it took two full hours. The guy, they, they pull the, the car from the side, they back up off the bumper, and he finally comes back with, with three summonses. He said, hey, you made a left turn without signaling, and you take, your, your, your tents are too dark on your, your two side windows. I'm like, it took two hours for you to do that? Did they ever, did they ever say why it took so long? No. I, they, he threw him in the car, and he drove off. I ripped those shits up, threw them out the window. I said, I'm not driving no more. I mean, That's I kept horrible. driving until my license became suspended, and then my mother got very upset because she's like, well, just pay the ticket. You have the money. I'm like, I'm not paying them because it felt like a revolution. It felt like it was so yeah. dumb. That's your protest. Yeah, it was my little protest. It was so dumb, and I was young, obviously. It felt so, Did I felt you pay so the disrespected. Um, eventually, I had to because, you know, you can't really be certain places in the world with certain things like that. Um, but it probably saved my life because I stopped driving, and I, w I never found myself in that Philando Castillo position. You know what I mean? You don't really get pulled over in the back of an Uber and things like that. But yeah. moments like that, thinking I could have stepped out that car just to ask, like, hey, is everything okay? You guys need more information? And then I'm shot. Why? What because was I that? did everything What was the police that organization moment. that happened with? The NYPD. It was Horrible. a sucky, sucky moment. And, and, and the, things that, the thing about it that's really important to, for me to discuss with a lot of people who are mentors is that I didn't understand the complete suckiness, and I'm just using that word, in yeah. that moment. <laughs> Right. As a as a, a person in his 30s, I can better understand how that reverberated in me, how I could have went wrong so easily, especially now. It's hard to be in a situation like that and not be provoked. You know, to uh, make them further whatever exercise their power. Right. Especially now, you especially had, in this Instagram like, gratification mind state. Intense patience. Or, I mean, I've been pulled over places, I mean, literally driving fast and had cops be like yeah, i mean sometimes they were like what the fuck are you doing do you know how fast you were going so then i fuck with them. i'm like no how fast was i going they're like and they didn't have radar or, or laser and they're like fast i'm like well i don't know what you know what does that mean and then they were like because they didn't have me on radar i can do nothing but they would write some other bullshit ticket like you know hey you were reckless how was i reckless you know and then uh but then there's other ones that were like hey can i drive your car that's crazy. Okay. You, sure, drive my car. What am I going to do, say no? <laughs> you know? So, oh, so you get to drive my nice sports car and you get me off a ticket? Like, that wouldn't happen with you. No. no. You had, you're, you're winded up 
three-hour fucking stop. Me, me, I'm driving this guy back to his barracks because he locked his cruiser keys in his car. I think you made a wise decision in, in yeah. abstaining from participating in the whole, like, driving. Well, you live in New York. Like, you don't need to over. drive anyway. It's true, but it's unfortunate that yeah. you had to make such an extreme decision yeah. to prevent yourself from being in situations like that. Very wise, but totally I, unfair. Yeah, to- absolutely. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty, though. So uh, I, I'm grateful to the universe. So whatever decisions it makes for me, I'm, I'm grateful to lean into. So it decided in that moment, like, hey, we're going to move you into a situation where this is your new normal. You know, but again, you become more knowledgeable about the world around you. And you realize, like, damn, you mean to tell me that's not what everybody would think? That's not the way everybody kind of has to navigate this maze? That's, that's only going to happen here in this neighborhood with this particular skin and maybe I had a hoodie on and hoodies are comfortable. I, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that this was, oh, this is my thug This is my thug outfit. All right, cool, I got it. Yeah, which I never understood that either. Like, he's wearing a hoodie. Fuck, I wear hoodies. They're comfortable, you know? I get it. It's just weird. But again, it goes back to the original question. Uh, the thing that we can do to help each other is yep. to... Um, have the conversation of normal is not normal when you have to qualify it when i have to add add an asterisk to it and perhaps you do not then that's a point where you're like oh hey let me try to take a step back and understand why this is happening to these people but not those people because a lot of things that are that people take for granted um in in their existence isn't something that uh is something that we have to study you know the uh, is someone going to look at my name on a piece of paper crazy and assume I'm this? Do I need to maybe use a different name? When I was doing mortgages, I used to say my name was Jason instead of Jaquan because Jaquan was too ethnic. And oh, yeah. Not, you're, doing, you're doing cold calling and you're saying, oh, hey, this is Jaquan. And people are like, uh-huh. Sorry, like, what? What? Click? Yeah, right. But then what that does to your insides is you start to unnaturally feel this, damn, something wrong with my name. You know? And obviously, it's you call certain neighborhoods. Certain neighborhoods get your name. Certain neighborhoods don't. Um, yeah. You know, and that's a small thing, but it's a large thing. Well, naturally. Things are always going to work to your benefit. If it works to your benefit, it works to your detriment somewhere else, too. Well said. I get that. I get that. Yeah, it's just, these are definitely tough conversations to have with people. People don't want to have them. And, uh, you know, but the thing that I I definitely want to do is, like, obviously bring awareness to not only, obviously, these topics, many topics um, that there are, you know, and... uh, you know, I'm not much into conspiracy theories or nothing, and there's no conspiracy theory. The guy was murdered. You know, other people Absolutely. are murdered, and there's a problem. And as we realize there's a problem, and you know what? You, me, her, whatever, people see this podcast, and, you know, in the future, we might be targeted for it. But, like, like oh, well, you get pulled over. Like, oh, you're the asshole that didn't support the cops. That's not what we're saying. So no, we want to make that all. clear. There's a lot of good cops out there. He's got cop friends. I got cop friends that are amazing people. People in the military support that. Absolutely. You know, being a military veteran, you know, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying, hey, you know, police to police, like human you, to human. Yes. Like yes. let's let's get rid of the bad cops because we know there's a lot of good cops. But just who like, are cops? Cops are us. Cops are citizens that become exactly. cops. So what yeah. is the psychology that goes on that and, makes you become so Actually, Biz, our, our previous guest, Shelton, who you'll love, mm-hmm. you know what he said about cops? He goes, they, they, cops were, the origination of cops 
slave wranglers. Were, yeah. were slave wranglers. In the Absolutely. 1700s. Like, that Absolutely. blew my mind. I, yeah. I, I agree. I did not know that. That, like, he's like Bill. And so, you know, and, and so Shelton, I asked Shelton a question, Biz, like, hey, and what's your take on this? You know, obviously we can wrap up after it uh, if, if you want. And basically he said, I said, you know, he works with helping reintegrate people who were in prison who, you know, even, you know, want a better life and and that, hey, once a criminal, always a criminal. So if you tell that to Shelton, he's like, listen, there's people out there that committed one or two crimes or even three crimes that after, you know, at one point something clicks with them and say, listen, I'm not going to do that and I'm going to be rehabilitated and I'm going to do the right thing. And, hey, yeah, I was young. I fucked up. I wanted the easy money. I did this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, Shelton has success stories that he worked with, not just black people. Like his, it's One of his biggest success story is like a Latin king, you know, a guy that was like, you know, uh, a gangbanger Latin king. And, and he's a guy's like, you know, and, you know, shit, when you live where we lived growing up, you don't leave, typically if you leave a gang, you leave in a body bag. And uh, this guy left it, and he has he has a family now and successful. But literally, it was like the fourth or fifth time that he was in and out of incarceration. So why is for the last fifteen years that now he's 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 a family man and he's a, he's a credit to society? So like, why do we give up on people after one or two times? Like like you know this Candace Owens like she's talking shit on George Floyd. Yeah, okay, great. He had seven priors. Criminal, yeah, history. But when was his last yeah. one? And he had a beautiful little daughter that loved him. And now she doesn't have a dad. So what do you say to that? Well, I'll tell you this. If if everyone that committed a crime wasn't allowed to, to see the light of day, then no one would have been around to raise me. Yeah. Off top. That's 100%. Mm-hmm. Two, we have to understand that um, certain... Um, conditions put people in a position to do things that can be observed as crimes even though they might not actually be crimes because you can prove a lot of things in court right it's all about what you can prove not necessarily what actually happened it's not always empirical in that in that regard um i also think that yes people are super capable of rehabilitation but i also think that it's way easier to address the problem at the core prior to people actually needing rehabilitation you know there's this uh this 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 um organization i used to work with and they were trying to help uh, young mothers, right? 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, right? These are the people that had us, that raised us. 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and, you know, helping them kind of wade through the first years of life as a young mother. And I explained to them, like, you know, we would be doing just as much, if not more good, by speaking to 10, 11-year-olds who were going to start asking these questions about why they should probably... Uh, abstain from it or if you're going to participate because that's human then here's how to practice it safely right because then we won't have young mothers well rather then we won't have people who are having children prior to being responsible being being able to be responsible for it right you know i don't want to have to put out a fire if we could stop the fire from having happening when you look at how um we're seen and when i say we i mean black people um are seen a lot of that that I make this joke to people. Donald Trump has never met a black person, right? And people are like, what do you mean? He probably meets a million. No. Think about it this way. If I'm me, I'm. it's very likely that I'm not going to have an extended conversation with Donald Trump, even prior to uh, becoming the president, which is still very weird, but, you know, whatever. 
Um, and so he's not going to have an accurate representation of the people that he can so callously kind of just throw against, go against the wall. So he's going to grab his representation from the media. And the media is showing two really extreme versions of us, right? And when I say media, I'm talking about the news. The news shows yeah. us at our height, which is not even our actual height, one of our heights, which is uh, achievement in sport and achievement yeah. in art. Yeah, okay, cool. We can rap, we can sing, we can dance pretty good. Um, and if you teach us a sport, we'll excel at it, right? There's a reason we don't we don't have a lot of black uh, gold medal swimmers because there's not a lot of pools in these neighborhoods. But yeah. it's a ton of basketball courts, and dream, the dream team was predominantly black, right? There's a direct correlation between what same thing like ice in. hockey, yeah, right. There's, there's, there's just I haven't I've never laced up to play hockey. So I say what I'm saying is that one extreme is that, and the other extreme is you see us as George Floyd. You see us when we have either done something wrong or something extremely wrong has been done to us because it was assumed that we'd done something wrong. And it's like this whole space in between the George Floyds and the LeBron Jameses that doesn't ever be, it's not ever brought up. It's like, oh, yeah, we don't want to talk about the normal blacks. They're not a threat. They're not, they're not entertaining. It's like, and it goes back to confirmation bias. Like you, exactly. you see what you believe already, and it's, you're like, but, oh, okay, I was right. Black people are criminals. That's right. How? And I feel like we're not ever gonna say that the other side of media, which is like you know movies and television, oh, we're not gonna incriminate them because they're just telling a narrative. And if you believe the narrative is on you, but I tell people all the time, I mean, listen, the first time you're in a cage with a tiger, the shit you're gonna default to is everything you've seen on TV you're going to forget that you've never been in a cage with a tiger before. So instead of assuming that the tiger might react to you positively, you're going to say, no, all I've seen on TV is fucking tigers bite people's heads off. And this is the black experience. Busy. So um, you were talking about how people who don't speak out should refer to other people who are very comfortable making a statement on current affairs. Who do you look for? Who do you look to as as mentors in our community, like who who are some people that you look to and you you look for guidance with how they respond politically? Uh, I'm starting from scratch, if if, you, if that makes sense. Um, okay, so what people, is your Instagram handle? Yeah. How can we find you? Oh well, thank you for asking. Um, busy and more um, on every social media platform, but I, I'm pretty um, most active on Instagram for currently because I think Facebook might get canceled. Um, but Facebook uh, I mean, but Instagram was zoned by Facebook, so I'm still yeah. So they're next. We need a new platform. Yeah. That's why they bought it. Yeah. We do, yeah. Right. I mean, kudos to them um, for making a smart investment. But B-I-Z-Z-Y-A-M-O-R is, um, you know, my social media handle, and it's the same thing for my website, which I try to upgrade pretty frequently because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that a lot of social media platforms will be shut down, and then people will have to go back to the old having a good digital storefront days. And then when the Internet itself... Um, starts to become a little bit more exclusive, then people actually have to be really dope in real life again, and <laughs> that'll be dope. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, Selena, what were you saying that time about, you know, this this being a podcast is now like the new like capital, like our content. Remember that article? I'll have to send that to you. It, it's really it was a good article. It's basically saying, hey, doing stuff like this and this this podcast is like creating your content. That's that's really the new business model. That's new the or even the personal model and the human capital mm -hmm. of like saying, hey, let's not rely on the media and their narrative or let's not rely on the police and their narrative. Let's like if you want to hear it, you're going to hear it from me straight. We the people. And that's the yes. thing, you know, and, and you might not like what I say, but guess what? You don't have to tune in. 
And I honestly, two people might watch this podcast: my mom and her mom. Who the fuck knows? Thanks, you mom. know. They hit, thanks, mom. But mm-hmm. uh, but but it's out there, and at least there's a record of that for history because it'll always be there. And honestly, like you know, your content that you produce, you know, this is not even to promote you or whatever, and not promote you. Like your photography is amazing. Like that's Thank one you, part of you. That. Like people, I guess. In, you know they need to see like I, some of your photography is like just looking at that image it tells like a, a story and um you know but your film making you want to talk about your documentary a little because that's a powerful thing as well and what you're going to work on in the future yeah thank you for um first of all thank you for all of that and thank you to you both for just spending time you know um even if you guys forget to hit, forgot to hit the record button it just was time spent i'm very grateful for that yeah, but what do you say? Hey, have you ever seen the Broadway show Hamilton? I have. Okay. I've been very fortunate. It's what you just that. said, the room where it happened. You know, people wow. are making decisions, and we're not in the room where it happened, you know? But we now, with this platform and, and now people being woke, you know, we demand to be in the room yeah, we're taking when it room. happens. So, and, I, and we don't mind burning down the old rooms to build new ones that are bigger so that we can have people. Oh, exactly. Room. Yeah. But sky's the limit. Yeah. Sky should be the limit. So, well, I want to hear about your your uh, you know all the the film work you're making, the documentaries and stuff like that, and the one you made. And yeah, the projects you're working you on that. because they're powerful. Um, well, it, it, it's my voice, and that's the one I have, and that's the one I feel very comfortable exerting, and I don't have to think twice about it. So I try to make sure just to create through that lens. Um, and then I've also realized younger that there's so many different versions of us as human beings that if I just do the me thing then my role kind of fits really well into the outside so if I'm if I tried to be you guys and it's like well we don't need more emulations of y'all y'all are really good at being the two of you I'm going to be the me and then that'll be the trifecta as we move through um, at least for this conversation but you know for me I've put out a lot of music a lot of people you know there's different facets of you right so there's some people who I talk to only about my music I have probably 10 projects that are streaming everywhere, right? So Tidal or Spotify or wherever you listen to music, I have music there. Um, and that's important to me because it's a form of expression. Um, it's something that I enjoy doing. It's cathartic. But at the same time, what I believe going forward is that I can be a brand unto myself and that what I attach myself to, my signature would be the thing. And people won't just be wrapped up in the medium itself. So it's like, oh, Busy was a part of that. Cool, I'm here for it. This is his music. You know, I'm working on a um, on a book. Um, with and the the nature of the book is paralleling um, urban um, sports, sports in the urban communities to uh, how that can translate into success in the C-suite. Right? It's just a matter of paralleling the terminologies. If you can understand how to run full court in the middle of the projects on a hot summer day, where at any moment somebody might start shooting, the, the girl you want is over there, and people forget when you're playing full court basketball, there's there's nine other people in the court beside you. You're trying to balance the four personalities of the people on your team. They all want the ball. They all want to make sure you're playing defense. You don't want to get scored on. There's five other people on the team, other team who want to stop you. You have to try to win, but you can't win too crazy because you don't want to embarrass somebody because you don't know if they got something in their bag over there. And you're trying to navigate that. You're doing all that psychological work. 100% is very, very delicate. But you learn how to navigate it fluently. And if you can do that, if you can become that person, which a lot of us have become, and then I could tell you, well, these are the words they're using in that room, and that full court is what you see around happening around the board, uh, happening around this big ass board t- boardroom table. You're like, wait, I can do that, and yeah. And the rest of it is obviously learning the core. So you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to make it seem too simple, but I don't also don't want to make it seem as far away as it actually 
kind of looks like it is. Um, working on a book. Uh, did just finish a film, so my directorial debut, I suppose. Um, it's in a lot of film festivals, but a lot of film festivals have also been shut down because of COVID. The other thing that's happening, right? Yeah. Uh, which is still a thing. So that's a bit disheartening, but at the same time, what, what's um, the film called I, at the film festival? And can anyone view it? Like, like if I wanted to view it tonight, is there a way to download it somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been <laughs> I've been sending little private screenings to people, you know, separately when they ask because. I'm not allowed to screen it per se because you're right. supposed to debut yeah, yeah, yeah. at a lot of these festivals, at least the larger ones. So I, don't, I never want to break the rules because I don't think they're going to give Send me it to much, us. We'll you know, it. headroom to massage those rules. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys. And honestly, at this point, the festivals are in such a hard pause that we're probably going to just put it out there anyway and then kind of get behind the marketing to make sure people see it because I feel very strongly about it. Um, it's called Four Corners. Um, and the idea of the film is that we wanted to showcase what it's like to um, be from a, a neighborhood where your options feel very limited. And because of the limited options that you have at your disposal, you default to things that aren't your natural self. And then in that dissonance, you you tear apart. And that, in that hole that tears you apart, you kind of find the thing that was hiding in you all along, you know? Um, and then the movie kind of has a surprise twist because, well, I won't give it away. I, I'd love to talk, speak with, speak to you guys about it after you see it, if you do guys get a chance to watch it. Um, actually dropping a single tomorrow, so I'm happy Are you dropping a that. single? I, I just, I enjoy creating. I think creating is key. Why didn't yeah. you have me on as a guest um, rapper? Creating is key. Uh, you know what, <laughs> the next one? <laughs> uh, we're all booked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm expensive. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, creating is, yeah, I, I, I bet, uh, yeah, I don't have much in the budget. Um, but yeah, creating is key, you know, and I don't look at any one of these things as separate. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll end with this one, is a, is a project I call 3BM. 3BM stands for Building Better Business Minds. And the idea with 3BM is to interface with people such as Bill, um, who are really well-versed in a lot of aspects of business. But one of the problems I find often when you're scouring the internet for advice <clears throat> is that people are trying to tell the entire life story instead of telling you the thing you want to fucking know, right? And so if Bill feels really well-versed in, let's say, one particular facet of business, right? Not the entirety of his life story, but one facet of business. Maybe he wants to discuss the, the, how important it is to have a strong business plan and how he's never going to look at the first version of your business plan. Don't bring me this fucking business plan if it's not version 102, right? I want, I don't, bring it to me after it's been perfected. He could speak so fluently to that. And I'd rather spend an hour discussing that with him because someone's going to get more from that than it's like, oh, well, tell me your whole life story about how, you know, you found success. And then he maybe mentions a little bit about a lot of things. And so the idea with the 3BM course is that uh, it's uh, entry level business practices, principles, rather, for people with little to no formal business education. And most people who are in that space understand Finlit is the next bubble, so to speak. And uh, what I do believe in, and I believe in it even more bef more now than before, is that most people are going to decide to start their own businesses. It might not be the thing they lean into full time. Gotta have a side a hustle. Don't feel empowered because they don't speak that language. Yeah, you know. But this is for all levels, right? So if you got a side hustle, maybe you want to elevate that thing into your full time thing, or maybe you can't understand why you're not getting traffic to your website, or maybe you can't understand why you're still paying so much per unit because you aren't collecting, getting a collective with somebody else and, and getting that price down by buying more pieces wholesale or just things like that. People are trying to engage in business, but they don't have that 
any access to those core. Well, they have access. Where I came from, obviously, it's an inner city and stuff like that. Not as big as New York City, but shit, Newark, Arrington, Hillside, those areas. Financial literacy sucked. Oh, same where I came from. Like you, you, you were like, hey, you know, like. Your Good mom you went to the, the didn't teach check. Didn't teach about taxes. They didn't teach us how to write a check. My mom went check cashing place and paid whatever percent to do that. And the dude's out the back with the bootleg DVD or the not even the bootleg BH Betamax. Oh, like, this is before your this is when VHS? you were you were teething by then. So anyway, like literally that's what it was. Like out the trunk. Like hey, I got your I got your watches. I got your chains. Like right out. And it's usually outside that there's the check cashing place and then the McDonald's and everyone knows where it is on Bloy Street and in, uh, in Hillside. So um, the uh, but financial literacy. Like hey, how to protect your credit score? Yeah. How to how to how to protect you know. Or or loan counseling, you know, when you oh, go to college, about, you man, don't even know. You what know how many black friends that I've had that incurring. had better credit scores than me, and better income than me back in the day. Like when I was in the army, you didn't. When the army, you didn't make shit. You mean I had five hundred dollars a month take home, but they had better jobs and they were turned down. And I like I got a proof. I remember in the army, I got a proof for a ninety nine thousand dollar mortgage. And now in Clarksville, Tennessee, that's a lot. And you, like, I had a big house for $99,000 back yeah. in the night. You know what I mean? And and it was over like two acres of land. And, Holy shit. And then my, my friend, like, and I was like, I don't know what rank I was at the time, but whatever. But I, I had black friends that were way higher rank, made way more money, and they were like, mm, fuck you, you can't have a house. And then to me it was like, and we would joke, like, we'd, we'd each other. I'm like, they don't want the black man owning a house. And they're like, stop fucking joking, it's true. I'm like, oh, shit, it's true. Just like we went back to Kobe. They didn't want yeah. Kobe getting more powerful because Kobe was trying to change the world. Like, he wanted equality not only for black men and women, but for women. Like, he was out, to, he was out to hit the NBA mm -hmm. in their pocket because he knew the product of female basketball is probably better. It's more authentic to what the real science of the game is. Like you said, running a full-court press, like, not only – like. Not like honestly, like women's basketball, you have more people like a Rodman on there. And I don't mean the physicality of it, but meaning like he didn't want the ball. Like Rodman knew, like, I was more valuable posting up over here, setting a pick, being under the basket, getting the, the yeah. offensive rebound and also the defensive rebound because the more we get the ball, but it's the same thing in life. So if we could teach, and hey, listen, if you have any workshops or stuff like that, you know. I'll donate my time. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't charge a fee like some of these other people do. That they have all the money in the world, but yet they want to like you know make nine ninety nine at a time on a subscription and charge for their knowledge. I'm not gonna do that. Like I'll come to anywhere, inner cities. Uh, you know, anyone that wants to learn about financial literacy and like how to repair credit, I'll help you repair your credit. There's people out there, okay, and it's legal. Like you can challenge things on your credit report like that's not mine and if it is yours you can still take it off you know thousand and i don't even care if it's taken off on a technicality at least taken off give you a second chance because everyone deserves a second chance and there's programs out there that you can help like help renegotiate your debt you know and sometimes if you're not told like hey you know let's get a secured credit card you or don't know what you don't know you exactly. know exactly and they think like oh at this time and then they use it you know so like I'll, I'll I'll help you and anyone that anyone not just busy because he's my friend or or Shelton or anyone like that but anybody like I really want to give that knowledge away for you because I really believe we all can win. Like I want the whole 
team to win. And guess who's on my team? Everyone. You know? And even if you're a cop that's a racist. And you want you come to me? Call, <laughs> I need your credit no, sir, no, this is what I mean. Us. Like if you, like listen, <laughs> I come to busy it, seminar. My point is, if if where I came from, I know people that were drug addicts and murderers and whatever. And like my point is, like, hey, if you really want to change, if you're even a racist out there, and say, listen, I'm a racist. I I I call people the N word. I call people this. And if you say that and you say, listen, but I don't want to be that way, I'll help you too. Like I'll help you. You know? I think it's important we let them present their perspective, too, on that. No, my, no I'll, I'll listen to them, but my point is if they said, listen, I don't want to be this way, but my dad was that way, and my my grandfather was that way, and my great-grandfather wore a fucking hood, right. you know, and burned people at this. Like, my point is it's it's generational, too. If that's what they learned, like, there's no bad kids, there's only bad parents. So if that's what they were trained, like, how do we break that cycle and help them. And I know Busy would do that. I guarantee if there was a white racist cop or any white racist, and he went to Busy and said, listen, I don't want to be this way. I'm fucked up. Can you help me? Fuck yeah, we're going to help you. We're going to help anyone. Yes. I, I like to Don't tell me you wouldn't help them because then yeah, I'll be like, fuck. Forgot. <laughs> no, no, no. I would, the, the, key, the key to helping people is, it's like selling, right? My father taught me something really, something really important young. He's like, you can't sell to anybody, but you can give them enough information to feel like they're making an informed and intelligent decision. So if I want to sell you on change, then I have to help you sell yourself on that. So I want to create something. Well, I didn't that say that, though. I, I'm just saying if there's someone out there that wants yeah. it. Because, listen, you again, the thing of leading a horse to water and blah, 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 I'm not trying to sell you. Right. If you're a racist, you're a racist. But my point is if you're a racist and you know you're a racist and you don't want to be a racist, or if you're a person with bad credit and you don't want bad <laughs> credit, like that's what I'm saying. Like If you want help, <laughs> And uh, shit, if you want production help, Dan's a professor, you know, at a college and, and Busy's hey a producer. I met Dan and, hey you Dan. know, there's people out there like, you know, w- we want to share our knowledge because that's that's how it's stronger. Like we all can win that way. Absolutely. And I just wanted to add this yeah. in really quickly before we wrap. Um, one of the thing, one of the projects I work on as well is uh, we have a podcast called Dogs Love and Coffee. Uh, I'm really grateful. In the magic yeah, of the internet, we're gonna get a link and we'll put the link on there for all your projects and everything. The magic. We're gonna make it professional. I appreciate that. But the, I oh, hope. Shit, I've never been professional before. <laughs> um, but no, just the thing with that that podcast series or that series of the series of conversations that we're building. I think we're on episode eight so far. Is that the idea is that we want to sit down or we've been sitting sitting down and, and conversing with human beings about their human experience, right? Because the problem we have a lot is that we meet people and we take them just at immediate face value as opposed to assuming that this person is the entire weight of everything that has already happened to them. And that's what they bring into the moment they meet you. Every, every kiss they've ever had, every time they've been punched in the face, every argument, everything they've ever learned, every class they sat in, all that shit, is, it informs how they're approaching you. And so uh, akin to what I was saying before with like Donald Trump has probably never met a black guy. There's so many people that have never met other versions of people. So I'm like, hey, if I could sit for an hour, maybe 90 minutes, two hours with people and really introduce America to other versions of Americans, then perhaps we'll be just a bit more tolerant, you know? So it's, it's one of oh, the I things agree. that we're inserting into the universe uh, and, and hoping that, you know, we are, it's like, oh, damn, I, I listened to a conversation that informed me on what a person no, I, like I mean, I 100% actually agree about. with you. Like there's times... We, I travel to certain parts of America, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? And not, not in a, even, like, in a good way and a bad way, you know, and not, not, like, in a crime way or anything like that. It's just, like, just 
what they're eating, mm-hmm. how they're acting, the mannerisms, like just different things. It's like, wow, that's different. I go to Australia. Love it. Love it there. But it's like, okay, it's a little different. And that's when you like miss home, you know? And that's why like, hey, like I always miss home. To me, home is northern New Jersey, you know, and New York City. You know, as a kid, I would like, I don't know how mm-hmm. we did it because we're poor, but I would figure out a way to get to New York City. Go to Chinatown, Little Italy, buy fireworks, come back and hustle and sell them back to my friends and blah, 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 blah. I would even like be a little nice. lawyer back then. Hey, if you blow your fucking hand off, it's not my problem. <laughs> Sign here. We're not Sign liable. here. You know, <laughs> playing that three card Monty, you know, losing, but still taking the cash, like losing the run with the money. And what are they going to do? Call the cops on us? <laughs> funny shit. Well, anyway. Busy, we appreciate what you do. We really appreciate you. We appreciate you. you coming on. I thank you for everything you do in our community, and I hope I see you in the neighborhood sometime. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for spending the time. Thank you to Dan for making sure that we sound awesome. Um, and thank you to everybody involved who I can't see. Uh, you better. He gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> super Kidding. thank you to you guys for doing this and for building a platform for people to be able to talk this shit. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Busy and more, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to you soon. That's me. This the thrill cast. This is the thrill cast. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. You know, it's a, it's a thing that uh, I wanted to do for a while. Um, at first, I actually didn't want to do it for a while. But then a couple people wanted me to do a reality show. A couple people wanted me to do, you know, a different podcast. But they always they wanted to take creative control. They want to tell me what to say. And, you know, that's not going to happen with Bill Hines. So... You know, I want you guys to basically come back to me. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what, you know, if you have questions or if you want me to give you any advice. There are certain things I can give unqualified advice on, just my opinion, but I can also give you qualified advice on certain topics, certain real estate topics, certain business topics. And, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. And uh, it's free. But, uh, you know, if something blows up, don't sue me if it's the wrong advice. So disclaimer. Yeah, anything you want to hear, if it's for racing, if it's any other sports, you know, open to all those questions. So we encourage, you know, that Meg has a lot of experience in uh, residential real estate in New York City and Manhattan and also Ohio. You know, uh, we just look to put out content every week. We're going to we're striving to do a show every week. And, you know, if we get one follower, if we get, you know, 50 or 100,000, we don't care. Um, We're just doing this because we enjoy it. We have a good team together. Uh, you know, with our producer, Dan, and uh, our videographers. And, you know, we got people in California, Christian, and, you know, the whole creative content team. So we really have a good team together. We have some really good guests. Yeah, so just come back to us. Let us know what type of uh, things you want to hear and talk about. And uh, we make a list. And, you know, every week we can, we can you know, give you what you want to hear. And that's what we're here for. We're here for people that want to listen. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, All right, guys, that's a wrap on this show. And, uh, you know, just want to thank everyone for tuning in. As I like to say, be good. Boom. Hey, I just want to shout out our sponsors. We got a few sponsors, obviously. I don't know why, but we do. And uh, so, obviously, Try Snow. So, trysnow.com. If you enter the thrill, you'll get a nice surprise uh, code, a discount on that code. It's a teeth whitener. It's, uh, it's, you know, for people that have sensitive uh, gums, it, it, it's 
they have a desensitizing serum, so that helps with that. But you know, I have pretty sensitive gums, and uh, it, it it was great for me. It's not like the the store bought brand. Um, you know, some really uh, cool people in the in the you know in the world use it. As far as I know, Money Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather. That's how he has has great smile and uh, Gronkowski and you know a couple other people. So uh, try uh, try snow and uh, try snow.com. You you put your code in of the thrill. And, you know, from us to you, we'll get you a nice discount. Hey, another uh, sponsor I want to tell you about is a really cool project. And uh, the owner of this one, uh, you know, contacted me and it's like, hey, because he knew I was looking for a really a good skincare uh, regimen since the company I had previously used stopped discounting. I don't know. They got bought out by a company, a bigger company, gobbled them up and they started getting rid of their product but it was really good and uh but now they don't make it anymore so it sucks so this one is the wolf project so it's wolfproject.co and if you put in the code the thrill again on any of their products they have a really good hydrating mask they have really good lotion for you know hydrating your daily wear for face and then they have a really good uh men's facial cleaner and they're going to be coming out with more and more products geared toward men you know and that's why you know i look so good no wrinkles you know i'm like 80 years old Look how good I look. And uh, just kidding, you know, I act five. But, uh, yeah, go to wolfproject.co, and you will get some uh, amazing uh, um, skincare product for men. So that's it.